are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Abide. So this is a church epistle. This is a prison epistle. This is a love epistle, a love letter. And then what we'll discover today, this book is also a prayer letter. So after the Apostle Paul concludes his greeting to this church in verses 1 through 8, he then begins to pray for this church. He describes his love in verses 1 through 8, and then he demonstrates his love beginning in verse 9, and he demonstrates it through prayer. And so we're going to look at this prayer today in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11. It's only three verses long, not a very long prayer, but man, this prayer packs a punch. All right, so let's read those verses now. Philippians chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11. Notice what the Bible says there. The Bible says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgments, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. Now, after reading that prayer by the Apostle Paul, um, I believe it's only fitting that we should open up with a word of prayer. All right, before we get into this message today, let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll break down this text. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for this book. I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you so much for prayer, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you move in a mighty way in the service, Lord. Help us understand this prayer of the Apostle Paul and help it apply it to our lives. We love you so much. We praise your name and we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, some of the sweetest words that someone will ever say to you, I believe, are the words, I'm praying for you. Out of all the words, out of all the sentences that you could hear, the sweetest words that you will probably ever hear in your life are those words, I'm praying for you. Those words encourage me. Those words give me hope. Those words give me peace. Uh, this past week, my wife was sick with the stomach flu. Um, and she doesn't get sick very often, so it kind of threw a curveball at us. She's normally really strong, and uh, she was sick this week. And um, she was just throwing up and, and not doing good all day Wednesday. And so because of that and because of the impending weather, uh, we canceled Wednesday night Bible study. And so I just sent out a text to our, our regulars that attend the Bible study, and I let them know. Um, and it was so encouraging to me because I started getting texts back again and again and again. And you want to know what those texts said? Those four words, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Hannah. I'm praying for your family. And it gave me so much peace, man. And it encouraged my heart so much. And the reason why I find the prayers of others so encouraging, the reason why those are the sweetest words to me is because I want you to know this morning, there is power in prayer. There absolutely is. I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor of this church and that's what pastors are supposed to say. No, I'm saying it because I've experienced it firsthand. There is power in prayer. And the Bible makes it very clear that if we pray for one another, our prayers will get answered. One of my favorite verses on the subject is James chapter 5 and verse number 16, where the Bible says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You want to know what that verse says? That verse tells us that when we are praying for one another, our prayers will get answered. There is power 
in prayer. And, and that's why some of the sweetest words that you will ever hear are those words, I'm praying for you. Well, as we come to the book of Philippians today, I believe some of the sweetest words found in this letter are right here in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11. Because in these verses, the Apostle Paul is essentially saying to the church at Philippi, I'm praying for you. That's how he begins. Look at verse number 9. Look at how he begins. He says, and this I pray. So in verse 4, he described that he was praying for them. He said, I am praying for you with joy. And now he goes into detail on his prayer for them. He says, I'm praying for you. Now, I have in my Bible the word this underlines in verse 9. And the reason why is because that word tells me something about this prayer. It says, and this I pray. And it tells me that Paul's prayer was specific. Paul's prayer was a specific prayer. And this I pray, and then he goes on to describe in detail the prayer that he was praying for them. In other words, the Apostle Paul's prayer wasn't vague. No, it wasn't a general prayer. The Apostle Paul wasn't just saying, you know, God, help the church at Philippi today. No, he was praying specifically for this local church in Philippi. And as we read this passage, we actually find three different prayer requests from the Apostle Paul in these three verses. Three different requests, specific requests that he prays to God for this local church. And it's interesting, each request revolves around the same thing. It revolves around the same topic, the topic that we've been dealing with as a church for months and months and months now. And what we've really zeroed in on the last three weeks, it deals with the topic of love. This right here in verses 9 through 11, this is a prayer of love. Paul praying for the love of the local church at Philippi. Look what it goes on to say. He says, and this I pray that your love. So he says, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your love. Now, why is that? Why is that the basis of his prayer? He could have prayed for them in a lot of reasons. He could have prayed for them for a lot of things. He could have prayed for grace and peace, like he mentioned in verse 2. He could have prayed for the furtherance of the gospel, like he mentioned in verse number 5. He could have prayed for good works, like he did in verse 6. Why is he praying for love here in verses 9 through 11? Well, it's because the single most important thing Christians can learn while on earth is to learn how to love. That's why. That's one of the reasons why God created us, right? To learn his love and to learn to love others in that same way. And the Apostle Paul recognized that truth. He recognized how important learning how to love is, and so he dedicates his entire prayer to love. And that's what we're going to look at today. All right, we're going to look at this prayer of love and the requests of love found in Philippians chapter number 1. Three different prayer requests from the Apostle Paul. And we'll just get right into it today. He begins by praying for them, and he prays for their love to grow. That's how he begins right off the bat. Look at verse number 9 as a whole now. He says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. That word abound means to overflow or to exceed a fixed mark. So he's saying, I'm praying for you that your love may overflow, that your love may overflow more and more and more. That's what he's praying for. It's an abounding love. It's an overflowing love. Now, when I think about overflowing love or an abounding love, I can't help but think of a little kid pouring juice into their cup. Uh, you know, once a kid hits a certain age, they like to be independent, right? Three, four years old, they want to do things themselves. 
And I always love to see these little kids, you know, pouring juice in their cup because, you know, they take out this gallon jug that's almost as big as them, and they try to pour in that little cup, and what happens? Pretty soon it just gets all over the place. It overflows the cup, and, and there's a mess everywhere. Well, that's the way we're supposed to love. We're supposed to love with this overflowing love. Our love is supposed to get everywhere. Our love is supposed to make a mess in this world. That overflowing, abounding love. But the Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. No, he says, hey, I'm praying for you that your love may abound, that you may have an overflowing love. But then he says, yet more and more. More and more, overflowing more and more. Now, what does that mean? Right? We could describe that in many ways. There are many different interpretations of that verse and the, and the details of that, different commentaries. But basically what the Apostle Paul is getting at when he says overflow more and more is we are to love without limits. That's what he's getting at. You and I, we are to love without limits. Not just a filled up love, an overflowing love, more and more and more. You see, love should be the driving force of our life. Love should be the force of our life. Everything we do should go back to that love. And there should never be a time in our life where we say, hey, I'm fresh out of love. I'm fresh out of love, guys. You ever said that before? I've said that before. I'm fresh out of love. I've run out. That's not the way it should be. Love should be without limits. Love should be the driving force of our life. We are to overflow with love yet more and more and more. You see, there should never be a point in your life where you think you've made it as a Christian. That's kind of the point that he's getting at. This church at Philippi was awesome. This church at Philippi was successful. They were doing everything right. They were doing everything good. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, hey, that's great, but keep on going. Keep on pushing forward. Because many of us, we think we've made it as a Christian, and then we just coast the rest of the way. Oh, we're faithful to church. Oh, I, I'm considered a friendly person, a loved person, a kind person. I can just coast the rest of the way. That should never be the case, especially when it comes to loving others. No, loving others should be a love without limits. And if you notice in the Bible, no one is ever content with the love that they have for someone else. Nowhere in the Bible do you see somebody say, you know what, I think I love them the perfect amount. I don't love them too much, I don't love them too little, I love them perfectly. You never see that in the Bible. No, it's always a desire to love more and more because God wants our love to grow throughout our Christian journey. He wants us to continue to blossom, to continue to bloom, and to love without limits. But sadly, I say, there are a lot of churches that put limits to their love. A lot of Christians that do, but a lot of churches that do. A lot of good churches that do. They're considered a loving church. I, I don't know, I've been in services like this or, or churches like this where they have a check mark for the year. All right, we're going to give to missions. That's great. That's awesome. We are going to help the poor and help the needy. Again, awesome. We're going to be a loving church. We're going to be a friendly church. We're going to do this many outreach events. Again, all great, awesome, right? But then they hit all those check marks, and they're like, we did it. We're a loving church. We're good. And they feel pretty proud about that. Well, he's saying, hey, that's good. I know you guys are doing that church at Philippi. I know you're supporting missions. You're supporting me. You're helping me out. You're doing this. You're doing this. I want you to love more. I want you to have an overflowing love. That's what he's getting at. I want you to love with an overflowing love. Dr. John Phillips, in his commentary on Philippians, he communicated this truth this way. It's actually on your outline. He said this. He said, Paul prayed that the Philippians would love without limit. He had received ample proof of their love for him, but there was a whole world of lost people to be loved. 
The Philippians had neighbors, friends, workmates, acquaintances, relatives, and other brothers in Christ who needed to be loved with the love of Christ. You see, they were a good, loving church. But the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, there's other people around you that need to be loved. Can I tell you today, our culture is no different. No, we live in a world today that's desperate for love. They are craving love. They're thriving for love. And they need people to love them where they're at, right? They're searching for love. They're trying to find love. But they're looking for love in all the wrong places. But we have the love that they need. Love is needed today. It's needed in the first century with the church at Philippi. And it's needed in the 21st century today. And the Bible makes that very clear. Right? That's why the Bible calls love the bond of perfectness. It is a perfect bond when we love one another. That's why Jesus said, by, by this shall all men know that ye shall be my disciples if you shall have love one toward another. They'll know we're his disciples by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. And that's why the Bible says the greatest of these is love. The greatest thing in the world is the love of God. The love of God is the epitome of it all. And the love of Jesus Christ is needed today. And therefore, Paul prays for our love to grow because we can never have enough love. So that's how he begins. He says, Lord, help them and help their love grow. That's what he prays for. He prays for their love to grow. But then number two, he also prays for their love to know. So he prays for a growing love, but he also prays for a knowing love. You see, this love that Paul was talking about wasn't just love like we know it today. No, it was a love that was to be rooted in something. And it was to be rooted in something very important. Let's keep on reading verse number 9. Look what it goes on to say. He says, And this I pray, that your love may abound. I am praying that your love may overflow more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So what do we see there? We see knowledge. So our love is to be rooted in knowledge. Paul is praying for our love to be knowing, our love to be a knowing love, our love to know things. All right, what does that mean, though? Well, to say it this way, God doesn't expect us to love blindly. We're to love without limits, yes, absolutely, but not with a blind love. No, our love is to be rooted in the knowledge of him. He expects our love to grow when we grow in our knowledge and understanding of him. It's not a blind love. No, it's a love that's rooted in knowledge. In other words, he wants our love to have substance. He wants our love to grow and mature, right? A maturing love, a growing love, a knowing love. And many of us today, man, we love God. And again, that's great. That's awesome. That's wonderful. But many of us are loving kind of like a newborn, kind of like a baby, like, like, like a child. And, and childlike faith is great, Right? We need a childlike faith. We learned about that last Sunday. But childlike love is something a little bit different. You see, loving like a child is more of an emotional love, a roller coaster love, kind of like my daughter. My daughter loves me. I know that she loves me. But she loves me with an emotional love. One day she's kissing me and hugging on me, and, and then the next minute she's growling at me, li literally growling at me. She's in a growling stage right now. I don't understand. Uh, but you want to know something? There's nothing wrong with that. She's a baby, right? There's nothing wrong with that. She's supposed to be like that. But if she's 20 years old and still growling at me, uh, then we got a problem, right? Eventually, I want her to mature. I want her to grow. And God is saying, hey, I want the same thing with you. 
I want you to love without limit, but I want your love to have substance. I want you to eventually know better, a knowing love. Because there's going to be some times in our life where we deal with a roller coaster of emotions. Right? We go through some circumstances that are pretty tough, some trials in our life that, har that are hard. We all go through trials. And I don't know about you, but there's times where I go through trials in my life where I question the love of God. Where I think to myself, Does, would God really allow this to happen if he loved me? Does God exist? I don't know if that runs in your brain. Right? Does God really love me if he would allow this to happen to me? Sometimes we question God's love. But the Apostle Paul is, is writing here and he's saying, I want you to love with a knowing love so therefore you can know that when anything bad happens, God can work all things together for good because he loves you. You can know that you can trust him because of his love. His love never fails. His love never ends. And he wants us to be rooted in the knowledge of him so we can be rooted in his love for us. He wants our love to know. And it's really cool how the Apostle Paul does this because the Apostle Paul doesn't deal with loving and, and knowing and prayer just in the book of Philippians. No, if you read the, Apol the Apostle Paul's epistles, oftentimes you'll find out that uh, Paul deals with the same subject at different times to different people. And in the book of Ephesians, he deals with the topic of prayer, love, and knowledge again. And Philippians and Ephesians are actually very similar. It's a prison letter because he wrote it in prison. It's a church letter because he wrote it to the churches surrounding Ephesus. And it was also a love letter. He talks about love. And he talks about love, prayer, and knowledge in his prayer in Ephesians chapter number 3. Look what the Apostle Paul says there. The Apostle Paul says, beginning in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. What do we see there? Rooted in love, rooted in knowledge, knowing the love of Christ. Once we know the love of Christ, it will pass all human understanding. We will be in awe of just how much God loves us. We will be grounded in the knowledge of him, and therefore we will be growing in our love. The Apostle Paul wants us to have this type of love. He wants us to have a growing love and a knowing love. That's what he prayed for. So the Apostle Paul prays for their love to grow. The Apostle Paul prays for their love to know. And then number three, the Apostle Paul prays for their love to show. So not only does he want us to grow in love and know in love, but he wants us to experience the results of a love that grows and knows. You see, the cool thing is, man, when we're growing in love and we're knowing more about our Savior, we're growing in a personal relationship with Him, I mean, there's some added benefits to that, right? We're not, we're not just saved and on our way to heaven. No, we can have a personal relationship with Him today, and we can experience blessing here on earth. And that's what he dives into in the remaining verses of his prayer. Look at verses 10 and 11. Look at how he closes his prayer. He says in verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Those two verses right there describe the showing of God's love that takes place when we know and when we grow. And if we break those two verses down, summarize it real quickly, there are three benefits that take place in the heart of a Christian. 
three benefits that take place in your life and in my life when we are growing and knowing. And we're going to close this message today by looking at those three things. All right? And the first one is this. God's love will be seen. If we're growing and knowing in love, the love of God will be seen around us to a lost and dying world today, and we will know what true love is. Look at verse number 10. He says, that ye may approve things that are excellent, and that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. He says that ye may approve things that are excellent. That word approve means to test or to examine. And this verb here is the process by which we come to know if something is true, genuine, or real. So, so this verse tells us when we are growing and knowing in love, we will be able to discern or approve what true love is. We will be able to distinguish among ourselves what true love is and what fake love is. What true Christianity is and what fake Christianity is. What genuine love is and what genuine love isn't. And then we can show that love to other people. We can love with a knowing love, love with a growing love, and then show that love to a lost and dying world. God's love will be seen. And God's genuine love will be seen in our lives. And when people look at us, they will see the love of Jesus in us, which is incredible to think about. And that's what we see in the back end of this verse. All right, the back end of verse number 10. Look what he says. He says, that ye may approve things that are excellent, and that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Sincere and without offense. Now, that word sincere is an important word. It's really cool to look at. That word sincere comes from the Greek word for sunlight. And it carries the idea of holding something up to the sun to see if it's pure. That's the meaning of that Greek word, where you hold something up to the sun to see if it's pure or legit. And, and in Bible times, they would take coins, and they would hold it up to su the sun to see if it was genuine or fake. It's the equivalent to us taking up a dollar bill, and I had a dollar in my pocket. Um, I don't know what I did with it. Um, but taking a dollar bill and, and looking it up in the light to see if it's counterfeit, to see if it's real. That's the idea here. But the Bible says if we are loving and growing and growing and knowing when people hold us up to the sun, they'll realize that we're sincere. They will realize that we're real. They will realize that we have a real, genuine love. And the point I'm trying to make is this. There are a lot of people in this world that are waiting to see if our love is real. They're waiting to see if our love is genuine. Right? Akron FBC, a lot of people are, are waiting to see if, if what we have is real or if this just is a fad. Right? This is just a cool place to be. They want to see if our, real, our love is real and genuine or if it's just like everything else. It's just like all religion. Because religion, man, religion is a fake love. I want to be honest with you today. Religion is a fake love. And there are a lot of people that have been hurt in religion. They've been searching for God. They've been searching for love. And what they come up with is just church hurt. That's what they come up with. And they're waiting to see if what we have is real. And many of us are holding us up to the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, to see if what we have is real. But the good news is, if we are growing and knowing in love, if we're rooted in love and rooted in knowledge, when they look at us, they will realize that what we have is real, and they will want what we have. It's an incredible thing today. So, so God's love will be seen, right? That's something that we can rejoice about. But, but number two, God's love will be filled all right, look, look at verse number 11 now. He says, being filled 
with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. These are the results. So our love will be seen, and then we as Christians will be filled. We will be filled with the fruits of righteousness. What does that mean? It means we'll be filled with the Spirit. If we're filled with the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness, the Bible says. And, and, and what that's getting at is, we'll be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. I'm preaching on the fruit of the Spirit on our daily podcast. Right? And the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23, where the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And that's a promise that we can cling to. You see, the Bible says if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, if Jesus Christ is in our hearts and in our life and we are growing and knowing, we are cultivating a personal relationship with Him, those fruits of the Spirit will produce in our life. Those nine character traits of the fruit of the Spirit are the nine character traits of Jesus Christ. And honestly, they're the nine traits and nine longings of the human heart. Everybody wants all nine of those traits in the fruit of the Spirit, and we can experience that with an abiding personal relationship with Him. But notice what it goes back to. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It begins with love. It takes growing in love and knowing in love, and then we'll be filled. So God's love will be seen. God's people will be filled. Hallelujah. And then number three, God's glory will be shown. That's how he ends this prayer. He says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. So God's love will be seen. We will be filled for God's glory, for the glory of God. If we are growing in love, ultimately, God will get the glory. God will get the glory in your life, and God will get the glory in our life. And that is ultimately what life is all about. It absolutely is for God to get the glory. And that's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. The Bible says, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So everything we do in our life is for the ultimate purpose of bringing God glory. And last time I checked, that word all includes love. The way we love one another. Hey, the love that we have for our spouse should be for God's glory. The love that we have for our children should be for the glory of God. The, the love that we have for this church, it should be ultimately for the glory of Almighty God. Every way we love and every person we love, it is to be all to the glory of God. All of love and all of life is for that one purpose, bringing God glory. And we will if we're filled with righteousness, if we're growing and knowing in love. But again, I ask today in closing, why? Why is that the ultimate purpose, to bring God glory? Why is the fact that everything we do should be for the glory of God? What's that all about? Well, there are many reasons why, and I could do a whole series on the glory of God, but one reason is this. If we are growing and knowing, God's glory will be showing, and therefore we will continue growing and knowing. I'm going to say that one more time, kind of a tongue twister, all right? If we are growing and knowing in love, God's glory will be showing in love, therefore we will continue growing and knowing. In other words, you can't have one without the other. It's all connected, right? Grow, know, show, they're all connected. If you're knowing and growing, you're going to be showing. If you're growing and showing, you're going to be knowing. If you're growing and showing, you're going to be growing or something like that. 
right? It's all connected. They're all of equal importance. If you're doing one, you're going to be doing the other. Moses put it this way in the Old Testament. He was growing in his relationship with God. And he said to, to God, show me thy glory that I may know thee. Show me your glory that I may know you more. What do we see there? We see grow, we see show, we see know, and we see glory. It's all connected. If you're doing one, you're going to experience all the other. It's all connected. It all goes together. It's all hand in hand. And that's why Paul prays for those three things. He prays for our love to grow. He prays for our love to know. And he prays for our love to show. You see, the single most important thing Christians can learn while on earth is to learn how to love. And if our love is growing, knowing, and showing, everything else in the Christian life will fall into place. God's love will be seen. God's people will be filled, and God's glory will be shown. It all comes together, man. So, man, do you love Jesus today? When people look at you, do they see the love of Jesus, or do they see a counterfeit? Do they see a fake Christianity? Ask yourself that question, and ask yourself this today. Do I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you experienced, do you know the love of Christ? Because you can know that today. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon him. Say, God, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you more. Forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. And man, if you do that, you can grow in love, you can know in love, and praise God, you can show in love today. All right, we're going to sing one more song. If we could all stand. It's going to be about the love of God, obviously. Um, <laughs> and um, if you guys want to uh, sing this along with me and just you know, pray and talk to God while you're singing and think about this message and think about this prayer of Paul as we're singing today.